Welcome to Out of Game Episode 17. In today's episode, we give a mini-review of Battlestar Galactica, and give the second of a two-part series where we focus on the negative side of board gaming. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go Out of Game. Welcome to episode 17. Episode 17. Of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we are a podcast about board games. In case you forget that halfway through, just remember that we said it at the beginning. Because we're supposed to. Because Tom Vassell told us to. <laughs> so this is going to be part two of our two-part series. And in part one, what did we talk about? We talked about all things positive. Woohoo! And, you know, we're going to flip over to the other side of the card this time. The negative. Oh, man. All things negative. All things negative. So we hope you enjoy this, or maybe we hope you don't. <laughs> not sure how, <laughs> what we should think about this. Before we jump into all that, though, let's start the spawn point. Spawn point. I'm going to kick it off this time. I'm going to mix things up. Ooh. So I was sent a book, oddly enough. Huh? Was it Chris's? No, it wasn't Chris. Dave? I had to buy Chris's book. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a free stuff. (laughs) Uh, So this was a, this is actually a very interesting book for me. So it's, the book is called Empire of Imagination by the author Michael Whitwer, who is the brother of the uh, actor, I think Sam Whitwer is his name. He's in that show, Being Human. Okay. I don't know. Anyways, this is a biography on the life of Gary Gygax. Oh, oh really? So I'm, I'm, I'm 90% of the way done with the book, and I've never read a biography before because the whole idea of a biography is boring to me. Yeah. But because this is about Gary Gygax and how Dungeons & Dragons got started, it's really interesting. And it... You know, I can tell that the the author did a ton of research. And what's kind of cool is most of the book is based around Lake Geneva, which is forty minutes from my house. Yeah, I, I mean, I can drive. I can drive to Lake Geneva on a Saturday morning, and I'm probably going to. They provided a map of all the locations they talk about and where they are in Lake Geneva. And I think when I'm done reading the book, I'm going to like take a day trip up there and go look at all these sites. It's like a pilgrimage. It's like the history of D&D is 40 minutes from my house. Yeah, it's true. So, and it talks about how he started Gen Con, which was in Lake Geneva, the Horticultural Center in Lake Geneva. That's why it was called Gen Con. Yeah. So it's a really interesting book. And I do recommend that you read it if you want to. Uh, it, to me, I don't know if there's any other biographies on Gary Gygax out there, but this has got to be the definitive biography of his life. I mean, you learn all about uh, TSR and how his initial ideas of how he even thought of D and D and it's very good and it's written very well. And the chapters are interesting. It even has stories of like weird things that happened to him in his childhood. So uh, I highly recommend this book empire of imagination, uh, which I've been reading Uh, just two more things I wanted to mention. One is, uh, did you guys see the trailer for the Mafia movie? No. What? I posted this out. Oh, yeah, our, you posted that. This is a movie based on the game Mafia, which is Werewolf. This, first of all, the trailer for this movie is horrible. It, I, when I first watched it, I almost thought it was like The Onion made it. 
That's how bad it was. <laughs> like, the, okay. like it had like the, the same the, the same guy who does the voiceovers for other previews, but the the writing was so bad for what he was saying. It was so cheesy. It's like an SNL skit. It, it was so bad. But it's based off Mafia, which it's a is a real movie. It's a movie about it's almost like the Hunger Games. These people are playing Mafia, so playing werewolf. But it almost looks like when they're playing, they enter like a virtual reality world and they might really die when they die in the night okay. or whatever. Okay. And they're, it's, I don't know, they look like an, an action movie, but just the fact that it's based, I'm just going to say on Werewolf. It's based on Werewolf. Makes me want to see it no matter how cheesy the trailer was. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, was it uh, Red Riding Hood? Yeah. It's based on Werewolf, too. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That was almost like if you took the game Werewolf but lived it out. Yeah. And but this is actually like about people playing the game Werewolf. <laughs> <That's> bizarre. <laughs> it's really strange. Did you guys watch it? No, I didn't. I didn't watch Where it. Where did you send it? I, I posted it, it on our posted. Google Plus group. Yeah, I missed it. You, you should go. I mean, the the trailer is bad. I'm going to warn you now. Dave actually <laughs> posted. Is this? Are you sure this isn't a joke? And I almost wasn't sure, but then I had seen it on two different news sources posted as like a valid thing. That's like the only way I knew it was real. So, Chris, I wanted to revisit something from earlier this year, which was our resolutions for 2000 and. 15. Okay. I just wanted to get, do a quick check-in to see how we're doing on those. Oh. I have them written down here because I'm pretty sure you probably forgot them. Wow. No, I remember, but go ahead. So I'm going to start with mine. So my first one was to get my magic number below 20. Pretty sure I'm not going to reach that one. That's uh, never going to happen. And my second was to learn guitar. I don't know if you remember how that. How are you doing with Ooh, the guitar? How's that going? So I think the night that we recorded, I got my guitar out, watched some YouTube videos, and then I put it back and haven't picked it up since. Nice. Actually, my son has strummed my guitar more than I have, my three-year-old son. Way to stick with Do you know the names of the strings? Um, Easter bunnies get drunk after Easter. Okay, at least you got that. You're good. <laughs> one step in the right direction. So, Chris, your first one, actually, let's, let's go with this one first, was to learn... Um, how mentalists do so, it. So, yeah. The reason I made that resolution was because <laughs> mentalism was driving me crazy. Yeah. It was all over, you know, uh, some of the different TV shows where these magicians got up there and they did tricks that were purely based on, like, trying to guess a number that you're thinking or things like that. Uh, yeah. And it was driving me crazy because a lot of the magic that you see on TV, you can sort of figure out. Not that I can do what they can do, but I know kind of where they're do- where the trick is happening. Yeah. With mentalism, it was driving me crazy because I couldn't figure out how they were doing it, and I know that they're not re- they're not using real magic. So my my vow was to figure out how they do it. And um, how's that going? Not going no. so well. Yeah, not so well. Yeah, so I actually tried to research this too, and it's I hard, came up blank. Yeah. yeah. I, I I spent a lot of time on this, and I did find I did figure out one thing. But I'm saving that for our end of the year episode because right. that's where we're going to go through. And that's why I'm bringing this up now because we have one more recording, I know. basically, uh, for this year after this one. Wow. So how are you going to do anything? Because you're going to have to play guitar like for the next yeah. month straight. Pretty much. <laughs> I pretty much, I think I just need to focus on one of them and see if I can get close. And it's definitely not going to be <laughs> learning guitar. <laughs> you have a better <laughs> shot at that, though. You're probably, you probably right. You have a better shot at that. Yeah, it's at least an equal shot. 24 games? Nah, it ain't, it ain't happening. Hey, I could have a marathon game day. Or, well, you, you know, yeah, over yeah. the holidays, on December, maybe we could go to your uh, your Wisconsin house. But it's true. But you guys have there. to commit to uh, the whole goal of the... The, the weekend would be me getting my magic number now. Wow, 24 games in one weekend. That plus, not just 24 uh, games in one weekend, 24 games plus 
don't buy any new ones. Yeah. Between now well, and there, the that's the, year. the big thing. And we probably got a lot of big releases that have come out that he's salivating at. Um, so I think, Chris, I think we need to answer for the second yes, resolution. Yes, you do. Why don't you remind us what that resolution was? I think it was to be less annoying yeah. on game night. You know, like uh, like if I'm not winning or if I'm getting impatient, if people are taking too long with their turns, I tend to speak up and maybe say the wrong thing or do something socially unacceptable. You know, what can I say? I'm a little unfiltered, and sometimes things come out the wrong way. But my vow, my resolution was to to tone down and to just chill, to be a little more laid back, and how am I doing? So, Tim, why don't you, uh, for, why don't you go first? How's, well, how's Chris doing? I, I think he's doing very well, actually. Um, <laughs> right now, I think his, his tendency is to go for the cell phone when he's bored as opposed to, yeah. you know, saying something or doing this. Although we, we have kind of... <laughs> assisted by the game selections that we've done also so yeah. games that kind of keep him more engaged so there's less <laughs> chance that he's going to tune out or or lash out for someone taking too long is that a conscious effort that's yes happening? really i i i'm that's not even joking this is this is the honest truth when i'm thinking about buying a game one of the first things i think of is how annoying will this game be to chris <laughs> wow <laughs> Wow, and and I there are some games that I have on my list that I will never bring to our Wednesday night group because I know that you won't like them. Wow, but you could still play them without me. I mean, we could split into groups. Or yeah, whatever. but I don't know. It just we just tend to usually be in the same game. So yeah, that that's actually a big factor for me when I'm buying games. Wow. So I have a funny story to tell. That kind of I don't know the right word, but it it tells the story for me. So last game night, we played Betrayal at House on the Hill, and. I was like, I don't know what, I was talking or something, and some spittle came out of my mouth and landed on the board. Yes. And I couldn't see it. So Tim, <laughs> Tim was trying to explain to me where the spittle was so I could wipe it off. So I'm like, where is it? He's like, right there, that tile. So I'm reaching for it. And he's like, no, a little bit left. I'm like, on this tile? He's like, no, the other tile. And I see Chris, he just quietly gets up, <laughs> walks over to his bag. <laughs> He's doing something over there. It's a true story. And he comes back and sits down. And a light bulb went off of my head. So I asked Chris, did you just get up and go take your ADHD medicine <laughs> because you were annoyed about the spittle thing? <laughs> to which he replied, yes, I wanted to kill myself when you guys were doing that. <laughs> so, now, oh my god! <laughs> True story. So last year, Chris, without a doubt, would have said something completely annoying when that was happening, instead of just quietly getting up to go take his medicine. So, oh. <laughs> wow. So I would say definitely, Chris is doing well on his resolution. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know that's funny. That did happen. That was a week ago. And I do remember the spittle incident. Yes. <laughs> having this, this caucus about where the spittle went. And I started thinking, I was wondering if the ropes would make it to the rafters and I could hang myself. <laughs> You're just lucky there wasn't a second spitter. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So, yeah, that's, yeah went, that was yeah. pretty hilarious. <laughs> so, good job, Chris. That, that's my spawn point. <laughs> Who's next? Oh, are we done? I thought that... I don't know. That was the Chris, longest we're good. spawn we're point ever. <laughs> we're good. We okay. can't top that. All right, moving on. 
wanted to remind everyone about our contest. This is the last episode where we will be talking about this. So next episode, we'll be announcing the winner. And what is the contest for? This is for the hot game by Vladisvatl called Codenames. Codenames. So we can win Codenames? We can win as in people listening to the okay. podcast that don't include the three of us sitting here And how right do they now. do that? So this is how you enter the contest. You either send us an email or leave us a voicemail with a question to ask on the show, for us to answer on the show. That gets you one entry into the contest. You think one entry is enough? No, it's no, not. No, no way. Not for that kind of a game. No, I don't think so either. So we've, we've given you a way to get three more entries by doing one thing. That sounds like a good deal, is that, right? Is it hard? It's like a really good thing. It's not that hard. I would say hardness-wise, it's like medium-soft. <laughs> what is this like a new steak rating kind of thing <laughs> so <laughs> i understand the medium but what's the soft <laughs> it's like between medium and soft it's like blue green <laughs> so wow the way you get the three additional entries is to go out on itunes and rate our podcast give us a rating write us a little review and you know in your email to us just reference that review somehow so we know who you were that would give you three additional entries. So you could have up to four entries in the contest. It's a great game to win. Yeah. Codenames is a really fun game. It deserves all the hype it's getting. And you definitely want to win it, especially since it's not even in print right now. So if you want to win the game Codenames, that's how you enter. I think it's time to answer some questions. Listener questions. Are we recording, by the way? Yes, we are. Time to answer some listener questions, and I decided for this episode to pick the two longest questions that we had. Oh, is that why it takes up half my page? Yeah, it's pretty long. <laughs> so I'm going to just read these. I'm going to start with the first one from Kenny Owens. Cue dramatic music. I got Coliseum to the table on our weekly game night this week. To be honest, the only reason why it hit the table is I have been considering putting it up for trade with its inflated value being out of print these days. So one of our main group hadn't played it and wanted to give it a go before it was potentially traded. It was a good playthrough, and honestly, the first play it's gotten in four or five years from when I first purchased and punched it with only one play. Sounds familiar. I have to say it's good and has a few unique mechanics, but I am not sure that I would pay the $100 plus that it is selling for these days. So here's my question. What's your out of print or grail game? that you've had in your sights for a while, and if you finally got it to the table, did it live up to the hype? What do you think, Tim? Well, this um, kind of have the... It wasn't a grail game for me until I actually played it, but uh, in a, a different gaming group, someone wanted to do the Blood Bowl League. Okay. And so we actually had 10 guys that we got together, so we were going to play five simultaneous games every week. And we had... One copy oh, okay. of the game. That might be hard. So going up to eBay or something like that to buy four other copies was just it was just ludicrous. So we had a legal copy, so we actually had a graphic artist as one of the guys in our group. So we all basically decided that he volunteered to basically create game boards. Wow. And instead of it being like the separate pieces with the game board and then the, the out-of-field boxes and stuff... It was all one mat with all that stuff built in, and he created five different graphic files. So they were each different. And then we basically had to pay you know, a printer 20 bucks to print these things out so they look nice in color. And then we were able to supplement with Dungeons & Dragons minis or whatever to play the things, and then we would just use six-siders 
wow. and know that you know this was block, this was dodge, etc. Because to go buy those things was going to be so outrageous. So it, it worked out great. I actually got one of those game boards at home. I paid for one of the game boards, and I, I don't have the dice. But that is still one of those things that if I was able to find something that was reasonable, that might be one that I'm you know willing to pick up because I, I do enjoy the game and. I don't know if this is something that our group will ever do, but I could see trying to do it with other people. So that would be my grail game. So, Tim, I wonder if you ever feel like handicapped in our group. Because I feel like all these other game groups you've been in have been full of really creative people. Yeah, no, it's just, I know, I know there's like certain games. Like, I, would, I don't think I'd ever try to bring X Wing to our group. It's, I, it doesn't fit the style of most of the people in our group. Whereas for me and my brother and stuff that play it, it's a very strategic game, and you know we enjoy that aspect. I don't. I think it might be too heavy of a game for for our game group. But what I mean is, like, you have friends that create can create a game board for Blood Bowl, and then like you're building your own custom cabinets and stuff. And like, I can barely cut something out in a piece of like a, a coloring <laughs> the, book. The punch outs are tough. <laughs> yeah. boards. You know, paint by number or like connect the dots are even hard for me. So yeah, I don't know where I got that from. I just you know started. I, I it probably goes back to my dad with his model building and stuff and that interested me when i was really young so kind of doing that uh, crafty kind of work and then doing stuff from there just kind of i guess kind of grew but then yeah there's other guys in the group there that yeah graphic artists i mean good god these actually these boards look great i paid 20 bucks for it no problem because he did an amazing job and he loved doing it i feel kind of bad that i'm not giving the money but mm-hmm. who do i give it to? i'm gonna be giving it to somebody who bought the game so i'm not actually helping the company out because they're not printing the game anymore. If they printed the game, I would definitely be uh, you know up for buying the game because I do enjoy it that much. But do you feel like do you feel like you're like playing at the kids' table when we're when you play in our game group? No, no. I, you know, I think <laughs> we've got a lot of very competitive games and stuff like that. So it's 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 a different variety of games. I definitely enjoy the more strategic ones, the Kalis and that kind of stuff. Those are the games that I really enjoy. But you know. Colt Express, I really enjoy that too, and that's one of those, you know. Yep. Not or much. Black Fleet in the same uh, category. I, I'm good with Black Fleet. I, yeah. You know, I think that's a nice lightweight kind of. That's, uh, a, that's a game Tim always wins. Well, so far, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 100% no, I mean, so far. It's the kind of game you always <laughs> Yes. Win. Yeah. So if we played 10 games and there was like four of us playing, Tim would win at least 50% of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it could be. That's not like Colt Express. Colt Express, it's pretty much random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my my uh, game I've mentioned before, and I'm sticking to it because it's just such a great game, and it's El Grande. So El Grande. It technically isn't back in print yet. It's it's been coming in print in other countries, but for whatever reason, it's taking forever to come back in the U.S. But I was able to play it and get it to the table as my Grail game. And if you recall, in episode 15, this was my number two game on my list. So it definitely lived up to the hype for me. And last episode, I talked about games that have simple rules but deep strategy, and I would say this is one of those games, one of the reasons I like it. So El Grande, question two. Chris, you want to read this question? Sure. This is from The Prophet. Yeah, kind of spawned. Spawned. You talked recently about how to find a game group. My question comes from the other end of the spectrum. How do you deal with large game groups? We consistently have six or more at our group. Although we'll usually start and close with some large group games like Resistance, we always have trouble in the meat of the game night. We always take so long figuring out which games to play and who will play them. We don't want people to end up playing games they don't want to play or missing out on games they do want to play. What do you guys do in larger game groups and how do you plan for them? And how do you handle them on the fly? So it's a great question and 
You know, we covered this on a previous episode where we talked about some of the different systems in place in order to decide games. Um, you know, like uh, the famous one that we refer to every now and then is a sauce boss. I like to refer to this as our worst episode that we've recorded. <laughs> I, I find it it's just it's difficult to listen to all of the systems because there were so many, and uh, I don't know. It, it, they're very... Um, all of our episodes are great. What are you talking about, Chris? Uh, of the great ones, though, who is this? suffered the who most. Who is this guy who just walked in? So, you know, we could talk about the sauce boss to answer this question, but ultimately, it's a problem that's not easily solved. I think, to me, when you have a large game group, there's too much discussion about what are we going to do next. You know, we're talking about, you know, uh, catching up from your day at work or whatever you're doing. And time starts ticking and going on and, and people aren't making a decision. I think the best way sometimes is just for the alpha gamers, the gamers who are really like they're the ones who brought the games there and and like Ryan would be in this example, just for a couple of the alpha gamers, pick two games, start setting them up. And then what's going to happen is people will stop, stop yammering and they'll look at the games and go to the table that they want to play. Yeah. And it, it'll be, it'll snowball because, you know, you'll see the seats filling up and you're not going to want to get stuck playing the game that you wouldn't prefer. And it's, it's, it's a simple way to solve the problem. And, you know, of course, it doesn't address uh, Ken, Kenneth's main question, which is how do you avoid, you know, if there's a game that somebody specifically wants to play or, you know, you don't want people to end up playing a game that they don't want to play, you know, yeah, you got to use some voting system then. But I think this is a simple way to get people going, and sometimes you just need that spark. Yeah, I mean, I, this is basically what we have every month. We usually <laughs> right. have a large group. We do the exact. What he yeah. was describing we, we this is like out with he's in our game, game. And, and what? How do we solve it? Yeah, well, and he's the prophet. It's like he knew. Yeah, exactly. What happens I mean, in our game group? That is our game group to its once again, <laughs> Kenneth. So I mean, it's what we end up doing is usually yeah. Ryan has a game that he wants to play. That's game one, and then usually it's interesting enough that there's people that want to play it, and then we kind of just throw another game up for option. And a lot of it's going to come down to the people who are coming to your game group. If they're not flexible enough to try something maybe that they wouldn't want to try, they just got to remember this is one game night, you know, next month or whatever, they're going to have an option to play something that they want to play. And maybe that's what you're going to end up having to do is, you know, keep a list of people, you know, Ryan picked the games last week, you know, Ryan and Chris picked the two games last week. So this week, they don't get to pick the games. Two new people are going to pick two games that they want to play, and everyone can then decide to play one of those two games. It, you know, when you're with a big group of people, you're going to probably have to play a game that you're not necessarily super jazzed about and just take it as part of the team. You'll get your game next month, and that's really how it is. You know, if you've got that one real alpha gamer that just refuses to do anything except his game, if you like his company, then maybe you let him get one of the games, every game session, and then someone else picks the second game, and you can choose whether or not you want to play it. Yeah. So I'm the alpha gamer, I guess, of our group, like Chris said. I think Nathan and I are we're the two that bring all the games, mm-hmm. right? So usually what ends up happening in our group is after we play that first game, people look at me or Nathan and say, all right, what are we playing? And That's so there's a lot of thought that, go, that goes into what games I even bring to game night. I try to bring games that will fit different scenarios. So I'll I'll try to always bring one that we can play with a large group. I'll always bring a social deduction game. I'll always bring like an easier game to play at the end of the night. 
Uh, and then I'll bring um, a couple of like the more strategic games. You, you have to have like a good mix. So I like what Chris said because he said just someone that brings the game should just start setting something up. And I feel like they're the people who go through all the effort to do all that should kind of have a more of a say in what gets played because you know they're going through all the effort. And I've noticed that a lot of times people don't really have a preference. Right. We don't have a lot like yeah. the non-alpha gamers, we don't have a strong opinion right. on a lot of these. Definitely not as strong as yours. Like not just the games you want to bring, but maybe a game you, you just don't want to play. Yeah. And so when I the idea of just setting up two games and then everyone just kind of filters the one that looks most interesting tends to work well because they have two choices and you know one of them I'm sure they're gonna like. So I actually put that as my answer too. That wow. the easiest method is just to have somebody make the decision, right. <laughs> rather than trying to do some democracy. That being said, listen to episode seven. No matter what Chris says, if you want to learn some systems for picking games, and it's something that you're having trouble with, that episode will be worthwhile to listen to. And I want to add one more thing to that, which is a game that a thing we're going to hopefully review soon called Game Election, where someone actually published a game to pick the game. And it's mm. it's got some similarities to Sauce Boss, but it has some like some other things added in like special powers and stuff. It looks it looks kind of interesting. I want to give that a shot sometime just to see how it plays out. But those would be uh, my suggestions. Hope that helps, Kenneth, but you already knew we were going to say that. <laughs> All right. Speaking of knowing what we're going to do, it's time for some fake it till we make it. Fake it till we make it. To be a great champion you must believe you are the best. If you're not, pretend you are. Fake it till we make it. Questions from the Dice Tower. Number one. What is your favorite Wild West game? So is this even close? Well, I, mean, I think I can predict your, your answer for it's sure. It's got to be Cold Express, hands down. I'm not I mean, sure about just, Tim's answer. We just reviewed this game. We, it's kind of hot on our game nights. We play it all the time. And so I don't even need to expound on it. Yeah. Cult Express. Reviewed it last episode. Can't this, argue with it. Once again, this is a game that we don't play. Bang. Bang. I you, got it. <laughs> you got it. Bang. <laughs> it, you know, which I don't get why you guys don't like it. It's got that it's werewolf. It's just too long. I thought you hated Bang. Bang. No, that's no. me. It's the dice game that I don't like. Is he likes the you card like dice. the card game? He likes yes. the card game better than the dice game. Yes. Well, I agree with that. There's actually. more strategy really? to the. Card I don't like game. the dice game either. You just got you know. I don't like part, it either. Part, I don't, part I don't of it like, is yeah. Part of <laughs> it is you know people just paying attention and taking their turns on time, and I think it, I'm, it, it I'm would surprised speed you up. like that game. I like I love that game. Actually, Chris Johnson is another <sighs> big fame. You know, he he loves that game too. Yeah, I think it's my one of those problem. That we pull out all the time. If you like it that much, I'd be willing to play it. I'm, I don't I, hate it. I just yeah, I don't hate it either. I, it's a lightweight game. It's like when we talked about this the last episode. I'm going to keep using this term yeah. until I get everybody on board. It's a lightweight game. A you have to go into it. Featherweight. You have to go into it not thinking I'm going to come up with some sort of sea of brilliance. Yeah, I, and then I, win. I think this is it's maybe just a fun, mindless. Maybe this is one of the ones that we do first thing. <laughs> I'm not sure about the fun part. And if people start getting eliminated, they could start playing another game while everyone else is finishing up. Well, yeah, the bang game. That way. You're not just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. But wait, a question for Ryan. Do you think you would have more fun with Bang the Card Game if you didn't go into it thinking that you deserve to win or that you can you can win if you implement No, the thing I don't like about the card game is the length. It has nothing to do with winning or losing. It takes way too long to finish the game. 
And how and long is the game time? It's been a while since I've it can played. take like up to an hour because sometimes the the two people that are left are just like going back and forth. Well, at that point, it just if, never ends. Everyone two, else is eliminated. Just if watching. there's two people left, go play another game. Let those two battle it out. And yeah, but that's that's a workaround. Well, yeah, it's a workaround to fill to. It's like a stopgap for the fault of the game, which is that people are sitting there doing nothing. It, it's the same thing that happens when I get lynched in Werewolf Turn One. It is. I've got to wait. Werewolf has the same problem. I agree. Before I could join, but you game. don't have twenty groups of Bang being played at the same time. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Although, you, I can tell you why. <laughs> because it's a horrible game. Oh come on! <laughs> worse than Risk? No, Risk is worse. Risk is worse. Well, and then just to mention too, I, I, this is not one I've played. But I actually want to try because I think this is something I can play with my daughter. Is I'd like to try flick them up. Yeah, I'd actually like to try to give that give that a roll, and I think my daughter would actually get into. It. I might even be able to get my wife to do that one. And I think probably right. I'm actually seriously considering buying this one. I've saw I have some. It. You have it. Yes. Oh well, maybe we should bring that over. So I don't, this brings me to my list here. So I have a problem. I, I feel like we should have delayed this question, but the problem is I don't know how long it would take to delay it. The reason I want to delay is because I have three West Western games on my in my magic number that I haven't played. Okay, Flick 'em Up is obviously one. Flick 'em Up, Carson City, which is a which I've heard is really good. Uh, it's like a Western themed worker placement game where you can actually do duels for the spot. So imagine Kalis, but you 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 want to take the spider in, so we have a duel over the spot. Mm. I thought that that sounds cool. And then Deadwood, which is actually kind of like a lighter version of Carson City from what I've heard with some of the same uh, mechanisms. So so I, by default, pick Colt Express yes. with the uh, asterisk that says, in a year from now, I'll probably have a different game in this slot. Well, then I, I think next game night, if you get there early, we should break out, flick them up, we'll get Sam. Okay. And let's see what happens. Yeah. The only thing I've heard about that game, though, is there's a lot of rules. So, I think it's one of those that I think you just need to go with a very low rule set to begin with and add rules on as you go. Or the other thing you could do is, if you, as long as you know the rules, you could just have her do the flicking. Yeah, there's that Like too. you could be like on a team or something. Yeah, You might yeah. need to wear goggles. I don't know. <laughs> and this one would be better if you finish your game table too because you need oh, like got, railings. I got the pool table, baby. Yeah, but I don't know if it comes with rail. I haven't opened it yet. I'm not sure if it comes with anything to contain the discs. It's a pool table. Discs. It has rails. Oh, you're okay. How would you block you, you the know, holes? You, you know how a pool table has rails to keep the balls we on We need the table? something smooth, though, to put down on the felt. Pool tables are usually smooth. They're usually not bumpy. All right. Kind of, if they were bumpy, it would kind of throw off that whole ball accuracy. I thing. was thinking of getting... Uh, the only thing you have to worry about is the holes, but I think we could put just a piece of wood across the hole so it couldn't go I in I actually the hole. think it might come with something. Anyway, we're getting completely derailed <laughs> here. So, <laughs> Cold Express is fine. Question two... If you have the option, do you prefer to play the basic or advanced version of a game? Yeah, I'm from the if it ain't broke, don't fix it camp. So I don't really like advanced versions until I get to the point that I'm tired of the game. So if a game is going on... We're not talking about expansions. We're talking about advanced rules to a game. Yeah, same, same thing. What would be an example of an advanced version that's different from an expansion? Like, like what's a good example of that? I'm trying to think of... Well, one, one thing that comes to mind with me would be with X-Wing. You could play it where you just move your ship, shoot, move your ship, shoot, move your ship, shoot. Then you could get the advanced where you start taking the action. So after you move, if you successfully move, you get an action, which allows you other bonuses when you... I've got one, too, that you actually have okay. played, which is it's not really a strategic game. 
But Colt Express, they actually recommend playing without the player powers the first time you play. So that would be the basic version. Right. So that, that's kind of the same thing with my point. So, you know, you learn the game, and when you're ready for those things, then you add them on. So I guess advanced to me like would mean like the leaders in Seven Wonders. But yeah. but that maybe that is more of an expansion. Right. Uh, I think that if the basic version isn't fun... Like you can look and see what are the advanced rules, and if it's if the game is meant for those rules, like I think in Cult Express, it adds a lot to the game right. to have different abilities. By the way, Ghost is not broken, and <laughs> and so so you know you you should do that. But you know a lot of times you know we go to play some of these games, and then we have th- these expansions. It was what was it as uh, Shadows over Camelot, wasn't it? Yeah, where it's just overcomplicated. It was, it, the game is pretty good, just the way it is. Right. There's no need to go mangling it. It's the fourth best game ever made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's right. We did our top ten list recently. So, yeah, I, I would think that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I get your point about the advanced. It's a little different than having an expansion. And I think maybe games are meant to be played with the advanced rules. You know, like Cult Express. I think, I think the rule, that, in that example, that's the default. And then making it basic kind of takes away from the default, right? Okay. I don't know. That's, that's your point. I'm definitely for the advanced. I, you know, I like doing the basic to get the core rules down so that you understand the mechanics of the game. But once you're familiar with the mechanics of the game, I think it's the advanced rules that add the strategy and everything else that the game probably needs because they wouldn't have created those rules if it was just kind of like, ah, eh, you really don't need them. Right. So I always think those advanced rules add in that other strategic elements that allow you to maybe try this path to win the game or try this path to win the game. Whereas if the basic game's there, there really might not be as many options. So I'm all for advanced. Yeah, I think um, I actually think we're all kind of saying the same thing. So usually when you see this in a game, it's the basic rules are only there to teach you the rules, and it's not really meant to be played with those rules. Uh, one exception I have seen is sometimes they don't call it a basic version. They'll call it a family version of the game where there's a simpler rule set to pl- so you could play it with like a family or people who are, don't know games as well. Yeah. So maybe like in that scenario, I would want to play that the basic version with the family but the advanced version with my game group. Uh, but for the most part, I actually like it when games have a basic version because I'm usually the one teaching the game. So it's easy, it's nice for me because I can teach the basic version. We learn all the basic rules. Then the next time we play, we play the advanced version, and a lot of that legwork is done already. But from that point forward, we're pretty much always going to play the advanced version, or I would want to play the advanced version, I think, from that point forward. Yeah, I think that's the best rule for it is basic to get started and then advanced once you're there. Yeah, and I honestly I wish more games did this. They made it. They they make it easier to learn the game, especially games with complex rules. Yeah. If they could have a basic version of the game, basic Caverna. Yeah. Ooh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> I would try that game. You have to take away half the game pieces. I actually think we played the basic version. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that does not if I remember the right, version is a ten-hour game. I'm almost positive that when we played it. Um, some of the tiles weren't out because they tell you not to bring all the tiles out the first game. <laughs> wow. The basic version of that is like the advanced version of other games, though. All right, so what we got to do is one night Caverna one night, and Caverna. Twilight Imperium, both on the same night. <laughs> oh, yeah, Chris in total misery. Speaking of misery, 
It's time to tame the werewolf. Oh! Oh! You know, I thought since we were doing an episode called All Things Negative, it was a good time to do a review of Battlestar Galactica. That's a game you used to love, by the way. Yeah, how's that a negative? You used to love that game. This used to be my number one game. It's actually still barely in my top 50. Wow, that's a big fall. (laughs) Barely. And we're going to start off by... I'm going to try to give a quick overview of this game, even though I haven't played it in a year and I did not look at the rules. Chris and Tim, just jump in if I'm forgetting mm-hmm. something. I'm not going to go to an in-depth rules explanation. I'm going to try to give you a feel for what you're doing in Do this the game. basic rules. <laughs> the basic rules. So in the game Battlestar Galactica, you've got the humans and you have Cylons. Based on the player count, there could be one or two Cylons. And then there's this other stupid thing that they threw in where there's like a, um, what's that person called? Sympathizer? The sympathizer, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Whatever, yeah. So sometimes they're on the Cylon team, and sometimes they're on the human team. And when they're on the Cylon team, they're like a a nerfed Cylon, Mm -hmm. so they can't even do all the same stuff as the Cylons. It's horrible. Anyways, those are the teams. At the beginning of the game, you may or may not have a Cylon, and then halfway through the game, you deal out more cards and someone can become a Cylon. But you will have a Cylon. Yeah, you will definitely have one by the end of the game. And this is thematically the sleeper Cylon, if you've ever seen the show, Battlestar Galactica. And this is a cooperative game with the traitor, as you probably figured out. And really, if I remember right, all you really do on your turn is there's the Battlestar there. The Battlestar Galactica is there, and you move your dude onto one of the spaces, which give you an action. So on your turn, you can do a move and then do the action of the space you're on. And that's on the ship. Or your action could be like you're a you're piloting a Viper, Viper and you can do some combat with the Viper. Uh, or if you're the Cylon, the Cylon has like some special actions that they can do to try to sabotage everyone, assuming that they've been revealed as the Cylon. If you're not revealed yet, that means we don't know you're a Cylon, so you're just secretly trying to sabotage everything. After you do your actions, and while you're playing, you know, Cylon ships are filling up on the board, the the Galactica's being attacked, so you can lose by the Galactica blowing up, or uh, Cylons can board your ship, and if if they get a certain distance on your ship, you can lose. If and then the the main way you usually lose is there's these dials at the top for like morale, fuel, fuel, food, food. and if any of those gets to zero, you lose. Right. So it's a race against time. You're trying to uh, jump the ship. Right. Twice. Right. Yeah. And every time you jump, it's it's you're trying to reach Cobol. And to reach you, every time you jump, you go a certain distance. So it could be up to like three or four jumps That's sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's variable because the commander, when you jump, he picks up two cards secretly and looks at them. And it, they're different distances, but each, whichever card you, he plays is going to have some kind of negative thing that happens. So if you're a Cylon that has been revealed and you're the commander, that's pretty powerful because you could just pick like the worst one and just say, oh, this was the best one of the two choices because you pick one and you secretly discard the other. Um, but anyway, if, if the humans get to COBOL, they win without, without any of those bad things happening. And then after you do your action, you draw a catastrophe card. Is that what crisis. they're called? Crisis a crisis card. card. And, and then the group has to do like a collective vote and if the vote fails, and there's ways to make the vote fail, then something bad is going to happen, like you're gonna, your morale or something is going to go down. But if the vote succeeds, 
uh, something positive could happen, or you might just avoid something bad happening. Is there anything else you do on your turn? Crisis? That's pretty much it. I mean, a lot of it is reactive. Based right. on what's happening on the board, you can do things on your turn to uh, take care of food, take care of Cylons, things of that sort. But essentially, you're trying to, throughout the game, you're trying to figure out who the Cylon is. Right. And because the Cylon might not come out until midway through the game, you sometimes suspect people for being the Cylon when they're not. Right. I'm looking at Tim when I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah, he always, I'm always. That's happened. So that's pretty much what's going on in the game. So just overall thoughts. Yeah, I I think the game does a fantastic job honoring the show. For people who have seen the show and played the game, then you know this. If you like the show, I highly recommend the game. It, it does a great service to the theme, the characters, the, the abilities that the characters have in the game closely match the show. Uh, the way the Cylons work in the game matches the way they work in the show where you don't know when the Cylons coming out. The game plays a little long, but every game is different. I mean, we've played this game a few times. Then we've had our ups and downs, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, but every, every game tells a story, and, and I think that's the strength of the game. Overall, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good game. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I've enjoyed playing this one. I've actually played this one with that other gaming group also, and I didn't really enjoy it with that group, so I kind of had a sour note on it before we actually started playing it. And actually started liking the game better with this group. And it's, maybe it's just the players that were involved in this group that I, I enjoyed it more. Um, so, it, you know, I, I don't stress so much on trying to figure out who the Cylon is as opposed to just trying to get things working on the board and make sure that we're not, you know, if I'm the human, making sure that things aren't going crazy and stuff like that. So the Cylon part of it doesn't weigh too heavily on me. I'm more focused on the mission things. So the cooperative part. Yeah, the cooperative part. Trying not to die. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's pretty much the whole thing is you're just trying not to uh <laughs> trying not to die. Yeah. It's like the whole game is damage control. It really is, because it's usually the crisis cards, it's usually bad or nothing happens because you did good. There, you know, and then there's the few that are actually positive, but a lot of it's just you avoided the bad thing. Right. So Okay. This will be interesting. <laughs> So I'm going to start with the positives. I, I agree that the theme is great. The theme comes out. Whoever, the designer of the game, Corey Konetska, I can tell that he was a fan of the show. And he, he nailed the characters and their special powers. Everything is thematic throughout the whole game. So there's, you can't argue that about this game. I also think that the variable powers that the players have are cool. Like I never like there's like a I mean, every character has a one time ability they can use once, once in a game, game yeah. and those are really they're all good they're all good and they fit the, the right. show yeah so they did a good job and I think they're pretty balanced too which is it's just I can tell he did a good job designing the game mm-hmm. honestly I like the sleeper Cylon mechanism that isn't in any other game that we play we're halfway through the game you could basically switch teams yeah. And it's kind of interesting because at the beginning, you're not sure how good you should be trying to do just in case you become the Cylon halfway through. Yeah. So that I, I think that's a really interesting mechanic that I wish was in other, other games like this. So those would be the positives, I think. Now, to the negatives, I find the game very fiddly. You're constantly moving ships around, and, and you're always looking up rules. This is the thing, the yeah. biggest problem I have with this game. We've probably played the game at least 10 times, probably more. And we've never we've never been able to remember the rules. Yeah, the, it, it's cumbersome. And the rulebook isn't laid out that well. So 
I'm always flipping through the book. People are waiting. Chris is going to get his pills. <laughs> it's you know, it's 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 bad when we. It, but it's like things you have to look up. Like, okay, how does the AI work for the Cylon ships? Yeah, yeah. You know, we can never remember that that stuff. Or like, what do they hit on when they roll? Stuff like that. I think the game is too long. Yeah, it's like a four-hour game. Usually yeah. three to four hours. Yeah, a lot of that is our, looking up rules. Our too. average is two and a half to three, I think. Well, a lot of it too is the due to the voting mechanism with the cards. You end up sorting and reshuffling those decks of cards a lot during yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, granted, you can do that when it's someone else's turn, but it, it is one of those games where when it's someone else's turn, it's it's someone else's turn. So you're kind of sitting there. The Until one, the vote comes up. The one good thing, though, about this is there's not a lot of the overanalyzing for a co-op game that happens in the other ones. For whatever reason, yeah, it seems pretty clear. It's a, it's a little bit like Dead of Winter in that sense. You don't overanalyze a lot in Dead of there's Winter. There's usually an obvious thing you need to do. obvious thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's good. It keeps the game moving along. And I think the Cylon, the way that, because there is a Cylon, and there, it's not that there might be one, it really keeps your attention, at least for me, it keeps me riveted in the game. Like I'm closely watching what people are doing on their turns. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a good thing. And it, it, for me, it helps keep the game interesting when it's not my turn. Yeah. So there's a lot of positives. I agree the games are long. The crisis rules are cumbersome. And looking things up, I think we waste a lot of time doing that. You mentioned about the Cylons. One, one other thing that I think is true about this game is I feel like revealed Cylons are underpowered. If you reveal your that you're a Cylon early in the game, I don't think you have any Dave. chance of winning. And it, and as soon as that happens, too, it makes the game boring. Yeah, I, I agree. Because, yeah, we had Dave do that that one game. On the first he turn. Really, really early. Yeah, either turn one or turn two. He, he didn't even him. take a turn. He did yeah. it as his first action, it basically. Was, did he? I don't remember. Yeah, and he's uh, like, you guys were going to figure it out anyway. So I, just didn't, I had no clue he was a Cylon. <laughs> I don't know why he did that. Well, that did change the dynamic a lot because all of a sudden... It just turned into a co-op game. A co-op there was no intrigue. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. I, and you guys hosed that game. You I became did, a Cylon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God I had a hockey game and could get out of there. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. It, it did make the game a lot less interesting, and it sure seemed like once he became a Cylon, that he really couldn't do much to throw the balance off. Right. I think being that being able to subterfuge those votes and stuff is way more powerful than trying to do those upper board game. Yeah, elements. I think that's good that that happened to him because you're not supposed to do that. No, you're right? not. You're not. And the fact that it was hard for him to win is a good thing. The fact that it ruined the game for everybody wasn't. Right. But yeah, it, it shows you that you need to be under the radar as long as you can yeah. before you come out. And it's like that way in a lot of the trader games, too. You need to sabotage. I mean, that's it's how you win. Right. right. Yeah. When you come out, it's not really how you win. You, you can't point. do that much once you come out. Right. Well, I think the reason he did that, too, is because as a Cylon, when you come out, if you are not in the brink, the you brink. get a special ability but if you're already in jail and you reveal you don't get your special ability so i think he wanted his special ability Ah, to fire and it it, the special ability is not good enough to reveal yourself early versus yeah he has a habit of doing that though he reveals himself early remember he did that in uh what's a card game the werewolf card game where they're the inquisition or inquisition he even the very first turn he just he just came out and he, he doesn't I don't know if he just doesn't like the deception or what the what the deal is. <laughs> that there. seems like something I would do actually. I don't really have. There, there's one other thing I have on here, but I think we might touch on this later. 
<laughs> in the episode. But there's a problem with the brig in this game. Yeah, there is a problem. And the, the big problem with the brig, Tim kind of mentioned it, you know, you don't want to be there if you're the Cylon when you come out. But also, you can't play right, you're, when you're in the yeah. brig. When you're in the brig, it's the same thing as being out in bang. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. I mean, you're basically watching your turn as you, I think you can draw one card and then yeah. not do anything else. Yeah. Right. So you can talk. Yeah. Yay. Which can be destructive <laughs> in itself. Yeah. But that's about it. You really don't have much else you can do. Right. For There's really no way to get out either. If, if, the, if everyone's decided that you're a Cylon and you should not come out of the brig, you will never get out of the brig. Right. Unless for somehow they blow all their cards and you've been no, you won't, stacking you won't up get out. one card a turn. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say about this game. Yeah. So what, why did this drop so much? Oh, we're going to talk about that okay. later. Oh, I'm sure the listeners are curious. This was number what originally? One. Number one. So we've This was my this favorite game. So, so do you actually yes. have an official number ranking? Is it like 48 or? I am. I do. If you go out to my top 50, it's on there. It's, it's somewhere in the 40s, I think. Okay. It's barely made the cut. It's a fall from grace. I mean, it's only like 30 ahead of Jenga, so it's, it's not doing so great. <laughs> wow. Okay, Battlestar Galactica, I think. I recommend the game. I think it's a good game. Yeah, you know, Dark Moon, that's a game I have that's supposed to replace this. It's a one-hour version. Let's try it. We haven't played it yet. I've been bringing it the last two game nights, so... We should really play it, I think. We need to use, play some new games. Use your yes. next time. Use your power. Yeah. Use your power. This is the game. I'm just going to set it up. Make it happen. Set it up. All right. Let's, let's do it. Speaking of not playing games, that's a negative experience. We're going to yeah. talk about some yeah. other negative things. This whole work thing gets in the way of playing games. Yeah. In our Table Talk segment. Table Talk. You're listening to Out of Game, the definitive Dice Tower Network source for all things werewolf. For other, less lycanthropic podcasts, go to Dicetowernetwork.com. You know, last time we were full of joy and positivity, and it's time to end all that. We were feeling the love last time. Yep. Oh, it's going to get angry. Now, it's going down. There's some tension in the room. I can feel it. And uh, Podcast angry. (laughs) We're going to talk about all things negative by answering some questions about some negative experiences we've had, or just general theories on negative experiences with gaming. So we're going to kick it off with what ruins an individual gaming experience for you? Yeah, for me, by far, not, I mean, not even know what number two is. By far, the number one thing that ruins a game for me is slow, t- slow game turns. People who take their time or they're, they're mucking with the spittle. Or, <laughs> you know, the, the, the things that make the game, the game is not happening. Sometimes it's because players want the perfect turn. And so there are, you know they're 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 just gonna like go through all the motions of everything, disrupts the game flow. People are not sure what to do. It's okay every now and then. I think sometimes it's unavoidable that you're gonna take a long turn. I'm guilty of that too, but it's when it's it's constant and or it's more than one player and you're thinking about other things more than you're thinking about the game. Yeah. To me, it's all bad. I mean, it 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 increases the game time overall, and for me, it inflames my ADHD. And it, it's, a, it's a problem. I'm running for my pills at that point. Co-op games are notorious for this, by the way. It's almost like you can expect this to happen with a co-op game. You need to make a conscious effort as a group to not have this happen. Or the game needs to be designed in a way that there's information that only you have and the other players don't have that has such a large influence on your turn. That you can't be influenced. That other people can't influence you. And actually, a good example of Dead this. Of winter. Well, the one I was going to say was actually the Grizzled. 
even though I don't like that game that much, but everyone had their own hand of cards. And so you don't know what everyone else has. So you can't really tell them what to do. You can make general suggestions, but that made the turns go quicker. Yeah, but same thing with uh, Dead of Winter, where you have your secret goal. Just once you have your secret goal, people can't really tell you, right. oh, you need to go to the school and right. search. You know, well, my secret goal, and nah, I'm not going to go to the school. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah, I, I think for me, it's the slow game turns. That's my number, by far my number one problem. Yeah, it, predictably, probably for me, it's getting ganged up on. <laughs> uh, it's uh, It can be a very frustrating thing during the game. And, it, you know, it doesn't bother me so much when i'm in the lead but when i'm like i'm clearly not in the lead and it still kind of happens it's definitely an irritation but it's something that i can get over i actually find like when you've done the perfect strategy too and this is maybe why i don't like dice games too is like you get this perfect thing and then this single solitary die roll just your game's done yeah. and it's like yeah all luck and it's you, you know plan this out beautifully and yeah, i was gonna list roll. that one too that yeah. to me that's a big one but what's really helped me and it's helped my new year's resolution by the way for this year oh nice is the my mentality going into a game? I have to go into the game not expecting to win. Like with Colt Express, yeah. I play that game for fun. I don't play that game to try. Like I, like I'm really focused on winning and I'm very competitive. You know, it's it's fruit for like you said. You 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 have this really good strategy, and then like some random thing happens and makes you not win. Yeah, the mentality going in has really helped me a lot with that because I've I found that very frustrating in a lot of different games. Yeah. But my my number one gang for sure on. is not no it's not the gangbang, the number one for sure is when you're kind of the lame duck. This is like you're in the brig, on Battlestar Galactica. I am forced to continue playing, but my game is pretty much over. I am just sitting there, half participating, bored out of my mind, wishing the game would end and hoping the silence blow the ship up because <laughs> I can't do anything. So it's just it's funny that you're saying all that. I lived that exact yes, experience. Yes, exactly. I know. And you, it was very painful. It became very apparent how painful it was. So, <laughs> more on that later. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's happened in other games too, where it's like, you know, there was the, at Gen Con this year, we had the game of Alien Frontiers, and I was, yeah. I was out of it from the beginning pretty much. And I pretty much sat there and watched the three of you guys play while I was just kind of, you know, coincidentally, okay. that was one of my favorite games ever, <laughs> Alien Frontiers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tim. <laughs> did you win that game? No, I think Dave did, didn't he? Did no, I did. I think I did win. I don't remember. I remember Dave was stealing cards, and I, I can't remember I think, I think you won that game. I remember winning a game of that at Gen Con, but maybe I'm thinking of... But, but I think what we need to do, I think a good, just a good, for a good group, what a good group will do in that case is make the game go quicker. Yeah. Take your turns quicker. Somebody's out of it. Let's just move it along at that, at that point. Yeah, that's, that's the hard part. Is That's painful. Yeah, I've had that happen in Magic, where... I feel like I'm, I'm just I'm in no position to win. Yeah, I, I'm, it's one of those games. Things didn't come together, and I can do the math, and I know that it's over. And they're taking forever on their turn. Yeah, I'm like come on, just put me out of my misery. Well, see, but that's like something. That's spoon. something easy too, though. You can you can just concede the game and be done. Whereas there, if you're, you're in a five player game. There's four other people probably enjoying themselves, yeah, and you're kind of like, eh, you know, like, just go get some. The popcorn, solution watch is a movie. the same though. They can speed it up. Yeah, yeah, they, and hopefully. You've got a gaming group that's willing to do that. So what's worse between, I don't think this made your list, but if you are falsely accused of being the traitor, because I've done this a lot to you, and I, did that, does that ruin a game? No, no, that doesn't ruin okay. a game for me at all. I mean, I'm, I, you know, it's, it's part of the game and stuff like that. And sometimes it's almost like I'm your stick in those games. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it works to my favor, and sometimes it doesn't. So yeah. there, there are times that I'm being accused, and I'm, I am not 
the, the bad guy, but you know those accusations kind of stick there. And you know it does make the game more interesting because then the guy who's the real silence going, yeah, all right, they, yeah. Got, they got Tim. I'm just going to keep doing the stuff. And yeah. you know, and if that ever happened, if that ever happened to me, where like Ryan's getting accused. I'd make sure that when he played cards on one of those turns, I'd make sure I'd be playing bad cards if I was the Cylon, and then everyone would think it's him, and I'm like, I'm in the clear. So it works in favor, and it, it doesn't really bug me. Yeah, okay. So mine's a little different. Uh, because I don't win often in games, the thing that will ruin an individual, an individual game for me is if I make some kind of s- a stupid decision during the game that ruins the game, like ruins my chances of winning. Just, just ruins your chance, not just yeah, doesn't ruin the because game. because... If I feel like I'm a contender in a game, which doesn't happen that often, and then I make I do something dumb, it'll usually occur to me as soon as I pass the next player, and then I'm like, oh crap! Sometimes I just forget to do something important that I had planned, or I'll have, I'll have done something and realize oh, I should have done this other thing, and now it, it's just it it makes me really frustrated. This actually happens to me a lot playing Magic. I'll make a mistake, and I'm one of the I'm a type of player that I don't like to take things back. Even though yeah. if I asked, everyone would probably let me do it. I just don't like to do stuff like that. So I won't let myself do it. And it's like I punish myself for, for getting it wrong, which maybe helps me for the next time not to make the same mistake. But I get so frustrated when that happens because I, it takes, if it takes me out of the game because I, I miss something important and now I have no chance anymore, it just becomes frustrating for me. So that, that will ruin a game for me. Yeah, I can understand that one. Yeah. You guys probably don't experience that, but no, actually, that happens to me quite often too. Where I see, oh, geez, why, why didn't I make this move? Yeah, yeah and, it happens to me a lot. You know, you the remember- most, the worst for me is when I, when I had something planned and I just flat out forget to do it, and it's something I had the ability to do and I just forgot. Yeah, that's really annoying. When usually, that happens. I usually find that kind of happens to me when we're doing. It's really I'm waiting for Chris to take his turn, then I'm waiting for you to take your turn. And then it gets back to me. I'm like, what was I going to do? I knew I had a plan, and now yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah, the long turns don't help with this. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. So we talked about an individual game experience. How about an entire game night? What would ruin an entire game so night? What ruins an entire night? So for me, things that happen in game don't really affect the entire night because they're usually encapsulated to the game. What, ru- what could ruin an entire game night are out-of-game issues. Like stuff not within the game itself. Like like an, if there's an argument and that bleeds to out of game, or if you're like physically you're just not feeling well, or maybe uh, the the food is taking forever to get there and you're starving. You know, it's it's things that don't have anything to do with the game. <laughs> don't you diss on my pizza guy? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't really had that problem lately. Or if it takes too long to get started, you know, sometimes you can get agitated because people are not get not, not playing. Yeah. Or if you like have something heavy on your mind, like after work, and it sometimes that that'll slide away once you start playing. It's one of the reasons we do this hobby, but sometimes it doesn't, and it it can weigh on you, and that that can ruin a night. But I think normally the things that could ruin a game night are out of game things, not things about a game. For me, uh, it's a actual argument that happens in a game. <laughs> I'm sure this is Ryan's, so I'm not I'm not going to dwell on that one. But you know when when gameplay results in actual anger between two right. players that extends beyond the game. That that totally, totally trashes the night. But on a different note, because I'll let Ryan take that because I'm sure that's where he's going, <laughs> is um, if someone actually spills or takes their greasy pizza hands and touches like your game components and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> you paid a lot of money for these things and that's- for someone to spill their high C on your Sarah Angel. Oh my god! And now your Sarah Angel's 
pink, pink forever. Forever. Yeah. It's just that that. <laughs> It just, you know, it spoils the whole night. It's just one of those things that, uh, that and that's why we institute the, the no TV tray on, rule. Yeah, everything's yeah, on the TV tray. You put your drink on the table, there's going to be a SmackDown. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear it. Arguments. Let's hear it. So I'm actually going to defer the details of my answer to another question coming later. Maybe oh. we should do it right now. I don't know. It's up to you. Well, that's two questions from now. Well, we're going to skip one because oh. I think we I think we need, okay. to, we oh. need to move Segway. on. Segway. Okay. So. Okay. I'm just going to say mine is by far, without a doubt, an, arg- an out-of-game argument. And so wait, let's go back to the question. Are we doing the new question? Or? No, I'm, I'm, this is my just simple answer for what this question. What can ruin a game night? Yeah, okay. by, by a mile. It's an out-of-game argument. And this leads to the next question, <laughs> which is, have you ever gotten into an argument during gaming and it bled into real life? And this has probably happened to a lot of people listening. Yeah, and okay. you know what? I think it's time to come clean, Chris. <laughs> we've uh, we've referred to this incident multiple times, and I'm just going to say that this is why Battlestar Galactica dropped from my number one game of all time. I kind of had that figured. It's time. It's time to come <laughs> clean mystery. and and just tell the story. To the listeners, so they kind of know. We're not going to go into full detail. But basically what happened was Chris was Boomer. And well, it, you even remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. because this is oh. why he was in the brig. Chris was Boomer. And Boomer starts in the brig in the second round. Yeah. Boomer gets three cards instead of two because in the show... Right, two, they, she gets two cards in the second round instead yeah. of one. Yeah. And everyone else only has two cards. So the likelihood of her being whoever has Boomer being a Cylon is pretty high. And Chris was Boomer. And the other thing is, when you do that, the sleeper Cylon phase, Boomer goes into the brig. So we didn't believe, or I didn't believe, that Chris wasn't a Cylon. Based on the, two, the cards. Based on how you were acting and the fact of the cards. So, so we... All right, hold, hold. Should we just... Well, let's fast forward to the end. I wasn't a Cylon. In right, he wasn't a Cylon. Okay. So it's really based on the fact, mostly... I mean, I wasn't acting like a Cylon without being one. Right. So it was the cards, which I get because when we played this game in the past, other people have been Boomer. And it's true. Boomer is the Cylon more often than not because of the extra card. One extra card does make a huge difference. Right. So and I think was that the other one, Gaius? Is he one? Which yeah, yeah, he yeah. starts with two. Yeah, Gaius has no, more think, likelihood to. Yeah, he starts he with, starts two, with two instead one, one. of one, yeah. and then just gets, it's like the opposite. By the way, that's who I was that game, so I had three cards also. Yeah. And you were the Cylon that game. Yes, I was. Yeah. So Chris was in the brig, and we weren't letting him out. So we Chris referenced this before that, well, we were talking about how the brig is a problem, right? So Chris yeah. was basically out of the game. Well, he didn't have the New Year's resolution that year. <laughs> one of the reasons that I made the New Year's resolution. So, you know, Chris was being very colorful, let's just say, while he was in the brig. And I took it way too personally and started getting upset out of game. And it escalated into a huge argument after yeah. the game was over. Well, it, it wasn't necessarily after the game was over. I think it, it was, was very heated. Game. Well, it was happening game. during the game, dur- and then <laughs> when we were done, it it, it was climaxed. Awkward. It was kind yeah. of it was kind of more awkward post game than. Well, something. So, so yeah. So, so let me help out here. So, <laughs> for sure, I was being annoying when I was in the brig. There's no denying yeah. that. I, I I had a lot of factors happening. One is I knew I was innocent. Uh, the second was it was very difficult to convince people, especially Ryan, that I wasn't. It was really Ryan that was keeping me in the brick. Right. 
he was sort of leading the game. Post game, we knew Ryan was not a Cylon. So, and I kind of felt that you weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I didn't think that you were one. Of course, I wasn't one, so I didn't know who they were. But I felt you were safe, and I felt like convincing you that I was safe was the way to get out. That wasn't working. I was stuck in this brig. I can't. I don't know how many turns it was, but I could see what was happening, and I was the only one that could see this because of the fact that I was deemed guilty. Right. I knowing that I wasn't. I knew that there were two silence in this game. I think Tim was one, and I think Nathan was the other one. Yeah. And you guys. And and I, I could see what was happening. Like, I was the only one that was seeing this because people suspected me instantly. They only thought there was one more. Right. And I, I kept saying, we're going to lose this game. I'm telling you guys, if there's anybody, we're going to lose this game. And so two things happened then. One, you've got uh, me with a big mouth. And then Ryan <laughs> Ryan's disad of n- people telling him what to do. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect it's, storm. This, this, and this <laughs> really is one of the was. reasons I know this about you is because of this game, but I've seen this pattern in a lot of things. <laughs> Ryan cannot be told what to do or even persuaded. If He needs to come to the decision himself. You can't show him where the water is and say, you need to go drink. Here's the water. He needs to figure it out yeah. that that's where the water yeah. is. And, you know, I don't think that was something any of us knew about you. And I definitely didn't know that. <laughs> and so here I am with what I feel is information because I can see something. And I'm trying to disseminate to anybody out there who is not a Cylon. Listen to me, please. I have some information. And so I tried to make a deal. And the deal was specifically with Ryan. If you let me out of the brig, you can control my turn. I'll, I'll let you just tell me what to do. And he still wouldn't let me out of the brig. <laughs> and at that point, I, I amped it up because it was ridiculous yeah. that he was keeping me in there when he couldn't take my turn. So Ryan reached his breaking point and just laid into me. Like, And Ryan, for people who don't know, you've been listening to the show for a while maybe, Ryan is like the nicest guy. He never swears. He never curses. He never says anything bad about you. He's He's like extremely trustable. He turned into a different person. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw the full moon. Yeah, it was it was a it was a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde moment oh, for, yeah. for not just for me. I think it was for everybody there, because I'm sitting here in shock that who is this guy like like laying me out and to the other people playing is is Tim, Joel, and Nathan. I think were the other ones. I don't think uh-huh. Dave was there. Was Megan in that one? No, no, no. But Joel was there. No, you've got the players right. Yeah, okay. We, we, Ryan and I both remember this pretty vividly. <laughs> yeah, I, kinda, I think I just tried to blank it's it out. It was a very uncomfortable game. Oh yeah, it was. A, but I mean, when you saw that happening, and when I when I saw this happening, it was just one of those things. There's at this point, as Ryan is laying into me, <laughs> and it's like that scene in um, in a Christmas story when the kid like swears, but you don't really hear it. Yeah, it's almost like I, I I was hearing these words coming out of Ryan, or when he was beating the, the kid up, and he was like, and he's like babbling. But you know, it's really like he's really cursing. That was kind of like what I was hearing. Oh, and I think we all were like, "There's nothing we can do after this to undo what's going no, on yeah, right no, now." Yeah, it can't like the, the, you can't unring that bell. That, you know? that was the death bell. Yeah, <laughs> the toothpaste is out of the tube. Oh, you know, yeah. you can't. You know, it was like all these analogies and. So just you know, just kind of let let it play out, and like the, it was kind of awkward afterward. Like Ryan said to to kick off the segment, it did ruin the game night, and I think it's sort of a lesson for us, and maybe for anybody listening, to not let stuff bleed out of game. You know, don't let it get personal if you can help it. And um, you know, if you're somebody with a big mouth, 
you know, maybe try to be, be careful, you know, when we, not to spark something like this. Yeah. So the obvious answer to this question is yes, we have had to, in our, I have had an argument during gaming that bled into real life and it was bad. I mean, it took us a while to, to like work through it, uh, yeah. which we did because we're good friends. Yeah. And we obviously, we started the podcast together. So, right. you know, we've clearly been past that, but it took a lot of emailing and talking afterward. Yeah. That was the most unexciting Cylon win for me ever. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, and that was, we referred to this earlier, that was a point. I was literally rooting for the Cylons to win and I offered to help them win. Yes, yeah, yeah, Because it got so ridiculous for me yeah. being in the brig. So it was like I was the sleeper silent in real life. It's kind of, yeah. It's like I turned into the sympathizer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, uh, yeah. And I think this game is pretty much banned from from our game group. We have played it since then one time, and it was boring. Yeah. To be fair to the game, I don't think the game is at fault. For it, I think it was like us. I mean, we we ultimately are responsible. It for enabled it. it to happen. The brig mechanic did. Yeah. I think that can be dealt with. Though there are ways to deal with that. Yeah. You know, like you could do some house rules with the brig. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was like a perfect storm of our two disheads. Too much Mountain Dew. Yeah. A lot of Mountain Dew. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to more negativity. <laughs> let's get more negative. It's not getting any better. So. Has there ever been a game that you really looked forward to playing for the first time and the game itself was really disappointing? Yeah, for me, it's Robo Rally. No. Because I heard a lot about this game and I didn't know the mechanic. I've never played that mechanic before. And the, the people that like the game really like it. And we might even have listeners that like this game. So, you know, I know there's different tastes and stuff, but this is another, this is another example of a lightweight game. What I, what I would call where you're not going to win this game with some sort of fantastic strategy. So I've never played this game before. The mechanic was new. I was eliminated very early on, and I just had to watch. And, you know, it's that whole thing. You know, you're watching the game, yeah. and every, everybody's been there at some point. It's not fun, and it's forever going to taint you against that game, mm-hmm. especially if it's the first time you've ever played it. And so I lost all respect for that game. I honestly don't understand how people can like it. There's one thing I will say about this game that I've heard, but I don't think we've done it, which is when you play it, you're supposed to play with a small board that isn't very complex. And I, if I remember right, we did not follow either of those rules. I think we had two boards, and it was complex, and there was a bunch of us. There's a lot of obstacles. Yeah. So it might have just been whoever set the game up not knowing that they were doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately, the thing that eliminated me wasn't the board as much as randomly being pushed into the holes, yeah. randomly being shot, randomly this, randomly that. Okay. And nothing that I did could stop that. Yeah. It was I d- I'm honestly, the the game. I did okay in that game, but I don't know if I want to play it again. Especially, But, but yeah. you did okay in the game, but why, why did you do okay? I don't even remember. It had nothing to do with. I never got. I never got hosed by another player's actions. That's why. Yeah. So my cards that I programmed actually worked. Right. Um, but I think the game is intended for chaos, though. It it's, is. It is. It's part of the game, and that's why it's like the lightweight game. You know, you don't. You have to just go into it knowing that, and but the elimination is the problem. Yeah. I see. And I think. I think that if the eliminations were easier, the game might go faster too. You know, when you can power down and get all your hit points back. You know, someone just pounded you with their laser, and now you shut down for a turn. You're like full full force back in the game, and it's like they've wasted their time shooting you. I think 
the games to be quicker is is, is a big key to it. Because I'm, I'm one of those guys that when I'm programming my guy, I'm, I'm programming my guy to mess with someone else usually. Because <laughs> if I can take him off his path, then I can probably get to my path. Interesting. Because what I'm trying to do is get to my path and at the same time mess up somebody while I'm doing it. So you've played this more often than I used. Have. We used to play this with an old group. I had a buddy, Mark, that this was his like top number one insane, always want to play it game. But it, it's it's long. If you get eliminated... Yeah, go home. I mean, it just takes too long to finish the game usually. Yeah. Uh, I think this one would actually really benefit from the Colt Express way of doing things. Rather than everybody sitting there for you know 10 minutes trying to figure out what their registers are going to be, just to be able to play them one by one. And then it takes away some of that I got messed up factor because you're kind of seeing what's coming. Uh, Whereas here you program everything and then everyone plays Turn it one, out. you might got it screwed up and so you couldn't make any adjustments for your other registers. So... Well, yeah, it's the, but that's the way the game is built. I think to some degree, but I, I think the Colt Express way of doing it would add more interesting it's things definitely better. to it. Yeah. It's definitely better, the Colt so, Express way, yeah. But, but yeah, it's just one of these that trying. it takes too long that I'm not, it's one <laughs> of those sure. games that But I'm I think you're changing the game too much. The elimination is a big problem in that game. Yeah, Colt Express, hard. there's no elimination. Right. And I, I just hate... For the most part, I hate player elimination with a couple of exceptions. But oh, yeah. For me, it's a game I talked about a couple episodes ago, which was Lords of Zidit. So this was the game that I told mm, you, yes, you always had to stand the guys up perfectly and yeah. it kept the interrupting the game. Only you need to stand the guys up. Everybody <laughs> else probably just throws them out there. Maybe. And I, I had talked about potentially replacing the guys with cubes. And then I, I thought about it for t- 20 seconds and realized that would be so stupid. It's not. It wasn't worth the effort for me to try to fix it. So I was really excited to play this because this was a pretty hot game last year, and it's designed by the same designer as Seasons, which is one of my favorite games. But it's another programmable movement game, and it's not just the putting the guys out, though. I, I realized that this is another one where you program all of your moves at the beginning, like Robo Rally, and then you play them out, and you're trying to get to a certain spot to like get a resource or kill a monster, but... If someone else gets there before you, everything you programmed is completely out the window. Yeah. And it's impossible to guess what people are going to do. Because yeah. there's four other people in the game, and they all have six actions. Yeah. And there's just no possible way you could guess what they were going to do. Sometimes you can maybe f- figure out what one person might do. but So it's pretty much just program your stuff and hope it works out. So I was very disappointed with this game and it took a lot of time to like put the pieces together i like spent all this time getting it ready the setup was a beast playing it was so fiddly just completely disappointed i sold it i I sold it on the bgg con virtual flea market so it's out of the collection wow that's pretty big the lord does it yeah you know i I think that pre-programming is i don't i don't like it as a mechanic for those reasons for one Sometimes taking that pre-programming step just takes so long because yeah. if you do your turn quick, you're still waiting for everybody else to pre-program theirs. And you know, it's important that you get that right so people want to take their time doing it. But then if your program goes wrong, yeah, you've just wasted 10 minutes planning something that's not going to happen. So yep. I, it seems to be the pre-program things. Maybe you're, it's not a good game mechanic, at least for our group. No one seems to like it. Yeah, yeah I think the, I don't know what I would call it, maybe turn-based programming. Colt Express, 
Is that what you yeah. call it? A real time programming? I don't know. It's the it's the pre. It's a little more integrated. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. like you're doing it all together. You're not you're not a pre program. You're you're compiling as you go. Yeah, and I think I'm pretty much done with yeah. programming games. Well, I don't I don't see any reason to get another well, one. Well, yeah. oh right, right. Well, that's the Cult Express ex- expansions. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like I would add to that, but I don't know. So mine, you probably won't guess. Cosmic Encounter. Wow, really? Yeah. I um. I don't know. Was, you know, I think part of it was the is the gang factor, because there was a game there I was definitely not leading. But then you know, it's one of <laughs> that's those interesting. That's one of those people. Hey, you know, uh, you want to join this battle for X? And people just pile on, and it's just like I, I literally felt like I had zero control over anything I could do in that game at all because it was based on who just decided to pile on an attack, and it happened to me a lot. The first game I kind of enjoyed. I think I won that one. Actually, <laughs> two while we're talking. That's when you get piled on. Well, you don't like it. But even in that game, I didn't feel like I really had a lot of control over my win. It's just it, it depends on if people want to pile on or not. So it's it's kind of like that Munchkin effect. You know, it's not the guy who's in the lead that's going to win. It's the guy who's two or three spaces back that's going to end up winning because yeah. everyone's going to pile on the leader and convinced people to pile on the leader and then that other guy slides in so so in general do you like cutthroat games or i you- like cutthroat games it's just when there's nothing i can do like if if we're in a five-player game and you convince three other people to pile on somebody no matter how good a strategy that guy's done it's like the greg lord of the rings problem when he would always pit us against each other right yeah just, there's just there's no way to warlight win. is another example when we played Warlight. Yeah. 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 If, if we were in a three player game of Warlight and Chris and I made an, an alliance, then you were screwed. Yeah. There's you're done. no, no you're way done. you could do anything. So when, do you when, think that it's fair when you're <coughs> winning, though, to be piled on? Yes. If you're, if you are distinctly in the lead, then I think that's when you do pile on. But a lot of times, like in that game, you know, I, I just want to, I want to jump on that because I want to get me, uh, get me a card or something yeah. off of, you know, I can participate a little bit and get a benefit for it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that that person was in the lead or not because you're getting something for right. jumping on with it. Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. So, yeah, the second time, uh, first time, I, it was, it was kind of like, okay, I looked like it was interesting, but then it's got that munchkin factor for me, so I, I don't like it. I wonder if you'd like this with less players. So I've heard that the ideal player count for this is five or six, and we, we're usually playing it with, with eight. Oh, uh, no, because I, th- yeah, I don't know. Maybe. We've, we've done Maybe. the smaller versions, too, but... I don't know. I, that, I'm, I'm just my head is spinning with your answer. That's just very. It's interesting. interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that that bothered you that much. Me neither. The gang up thing. Well, it's it's. What was it's, your thing that bothered you? Because mine I was screw up when I do yours something. Yours was the mistake. Yeah. And then yours, that's well. That's just you know, in a game like that too, where it's like your strategy doesn't matter because if enough people want to do it, there's nothing you can do about it. And that's one that it's just really free for all. Yeah, you know it's the whole game is designed to make Doesn't, people gang isn't up on it. Bang that way though too. Like people can shoot you for no reason. Yeah, but usually there's a, usually there's a reason. I mean, at the beginning of the game until you can figure out who you're supposed to be shooting. Bang the dice game is like that because bang the dice game is totally if you roll like that, a one, you have, to you have to shoot someone right to your right or left. Which is which is one of my biggest problems with that game. Yeah. I don't want to be forced to shoot someone that I you know I know Chris is good. I know you're good. I roll some guns. I have to shoot someone I know is an ally. Yeah. That to me is just yeah. ludicrous. <laughs> Interesting. It's all things negative. Isn't this a great yeah. episode? How are you guys feeling? We're, we're airing our dirty laundry today. <laughs> so, Ryan, let's just summarize. You hate when you make a mistake. That, like, ruins a game for you. That's, like, your number one thing. For Tim, it's being ganged up on. You just don't like the random gang up on you, like, screw up your strategy. There's nothing you can do about it. And then for me, it was the slow turns making yeah. me want to hang myself. 
All right, we have two questions left. First one is... <laughs> I was going to say, are we reading this one, or are we just going to try to memorize? Is there a game that you absolutely hate? <laughs> so, to keep the negative thing going, <laughs> I mean, I hate Robo Rally. We just were talking about that. But you know what game has become my love-to-hate game? I think I know. Love-to-hate? To yes. start with an F? Yeah. And end with an S? Yeah, it's five tries. <laughs> I, I don't like that game. And it's mostly because I suck at the game. I'll be honest with you. I'm just not good at it. It's, it's a classic moment. The very first time we ever played, that was when, Ryan, when you made the adding error. And I ended up winning the game yeah. on the adding error. And you had and no I, idea how you won. Yeah. I, I sat there stunned that I won that game. I had no business winning that game. <laughs> and and it, the game just became kind of comical to me for that reason. Like I, I felt like I did horrible. And then Dave thought he won. And it's always a beautiful thing when Dave thinks he's going to win and then it's taken away <laughs> and then adding error, no matter who wins. You know, we should do that on purpose more often. Oh. Like, intentionally miscount the points until Davey won and then someone else recalculate it. Yeah, but the, this game, there's so many things I hate about it. I mean, <laughs> and, and my to, top 10 games. I know, it's, it's not a good game. I mean, to be fair, it's mostly, I'm just being transparent. I'm not good at the game and I, and I don't feel like I know what I'm doing when I'm playing it. Is it the game's fault? It is. It is the game's fault a little bit. I'll take a little bit of the blame, but I don't like how there's one way this game is very different from every other game, and that's the way you can overanalyze it. Right. And my brain doesn't process things that way, yeah. where, where I, can, I, I can't see the board well. I can't see on the detail level. And you're going up to pick up your meeples and move the colors and all that. And then people come up with these great moves that I never see. Mm-hmm. And it's either because I'm too dumb to see the move or because they spend too much time thinking about it when it's not their turn. And then they get lucky or I clear a path on my turn trying to do my move. And it creates this great turn for the guy after me. It's just so annoying. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it. I, I don't like this game. I'll probably play the game again at some point, but you probably don't want to play while I'm playing, okay, <laughs> because of the commentary. But it's, it's a game, I don't just, it's not like Robo Rally where I, I know I'm going to be miserable playing it. It's a game that I love to hate it. It's like I like that I hate it, okay. if that makes sense. It's like, that, it's like a character in a show that is annoying, but they're supposed to be annoying, you know? Where, you know, I just... I try to think of a character like that. Yeah, uh, give me a minute, I'll think of one. But Five Tribes for me, that's, I don't like the game. It's probably my, my most hated game right now. Just remind me to sit to your left next time we play. Yeah. Because of the turnover. You, yeah. you definitely leave great moves for people. Yeah, but when you're making your move in Five Tribes, do you think about that? Or yeah. do you try yeah. to think what's the best move you can make? No, I, 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 think, I think of what the move is I want to make. I want to do blues this round. And then I try to find the best blue move I can make. But then do you think about what sort of trail that's going to lead Definitely. for your Definitely. opponent? See, that hurts my brain to worry about that. I, I, it, well, it's, I don't want to... The basic logic is you try not to leave a single meeple on a space, and you try not to leave the same colors together. Yeah, that's such a detail-oriented... <laughs> See, this game is good for you, though. It's an OCD. It's the OCD thing where the particular details of the squares, the meeples that are left, and all of that all factor into something that you enjoy thinking about. For me, that stresses me to no end. Okay. You know, I just want to I want to look at the little pretty colors and pick up my meeples <laughs> and, you know, play with my crayons. You know, I, it's too comp. I don't know. For whatever reason, they they weren't thinking of me when they made this game. So you're good with like an if then, but if there's an else if coming after that, you're you're in trouble. It's, it's when the case up. statement is so big you can't even see it that I <laughs> check out. I don't know either. I actually had to think about this one a lot. Okay. And then and then it came to me. Flux. <laughs> I 
hate that game. Was that the first time you played it? When no, I it unfortunately out? not. And I just begrudgingly played it again to see if it was actually just that first time I played it or if it just sucked. Yep. And yeah, it just sucked. Have I played this game? No, we played it. No, you were, we were waiting not, for you to we get there. For you to get there. And so we so tell it. me about it. So basically this game is you have to match these... The um, wind conditions. The wind conditions. So there's wind conditions. But the problem is... Uh, they can change at any time. Oh, this is the card game? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's zero strategy, zero things to do. It's just, hey, look it. It changed. I happen to have the card in my hand. I win. Yep. There's 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 zero strategy. This game it's is completely so random. bad. It's yeah. You might as well just take a twenty sider, whoever rolls higher wins. Because that's really what it comes down to is That's that's how Robo Rally feels for me. No, see, but to me, I, I have some control there. I'm programming do it. Do you I can really take, though? Yeah, you do. You do. Okay. This this is total luck. You know, yeah. you could actually have the winning card in your hand, and then the person right before you changes the win condition. All of a sudden, no, oh! yeah. Now this guy wins because he happened to have the card that he changed the win condition to. It's just ridiculous. There's, there's, there's no point to this game. <laughs> okay. I, so I have two. The first one is. Do you, wait, do you concur with Tim's analysis? Flux. Of that game? Okay. All right. So Flux is on my list as well. I've, who, who likes? The, why was this game? It's even a there? very popular game. And you guys both have it as your most hated game. Yeah. Oh, this it's horrible. And it is, is a love hate game. Okay. Um, oh, it's just it's just hate. Can we have some listeners if if there are any out there that like this game that or that love it? I've never played yeah, please it. Please tell me why. The, I don't uh, get I'm it. Either. Curious to know. So here's Send the other thing email. that's annoying is when the when the new win condition comes out, you have to basically you have to have a certain combo combination of cards. Some of those cards might be in the discard pile. That's very true. So you have to wait until the whole deck is is used up and reshuffled to, for to even have a chance of meeting that win condition. Right. And what I only played it that one time. So I got this game as like $5. Uh, that's $5 too much. And we played it one time and halfway through the game, I just wanted somebody to freaking win. I agree. How I did not care how it, it could take forever yeah. because I, it took us like a half hour at least. Because I mean, it was too long. It should people, people can steal what you have. They can. Yeah. The worst is when you actually have that win condition card in your hand. Yeah. And then the person before you makes you discard your whole hand because now the hand size is zero or something, and everything's not. Yeah. And there was a while in the game where the hand size was zero, so no one could have no cards. One could cards. And then we're like, "Why did you even play that card?" And we just had to work together to actually have a hand limit so we could hold cards in our hand. This is bizarre. So my guess is that people like this game because of exactly what you're saying. Right. It's just chaos. Yeah. And they, they just want to play it out and just it's like see it would, how the story unfolds. It wouldn't be bad if there could be some strategy along with it, but right. it just, to me, there's. There's zero strategy in this game. Yeah. There's okay. just zero. So my second that I put, because I put these in the same category, is Killer Bunnies. I never played Killer Bunnies. So I would say there's kind of three games that are in this category, which are chaotic games that some people love, that you either love or hate. All right, Killer Bunnies, Flux, and the other one is Munchkin. What about the Exploding Kittens? Actually, yeah, that goes kind of in there, there too, too. But that was way better than Flux. That was, what? Yeah. That game I played. Yeah. That's can't be better. It was better than it was flux. better than flux. I was eliminated in that game like very quickly for matter. things that had nothing to do with anything. Well, I yeah, you're, you're probably lucky because then you don't have to play. <laughs> but then I'm, I have to watch. So, so, that's true. That's kind of so. Funny. Here's what I remember about Killer Bunnies, and I know Reed is one of our listeners, and he loves this game. He's like my coworker. So sorry, Reed, but I hated Killer Bunnies. He was the one I played it with. I can't even remember the details, but this is what I kind of remember. It was so stupid. The point of the game is you have to be the one holding a specific carrot 
at the end of the game. <laughs> right? And that carrot is randomly determined at the beginning. Okay. So throughout the game, you're trying to collect as many carrots as you can to have a higher chance of winning. But really what it comes down to is whoever has that one carrot that was determined at the beginning of the game is the winner. Now, do you, do you know what the carrot is? So Not like, at the beginning, no. So you're just... So at the end of the game, the carrot that you need is revealed? Right. So I could have 10 carrots, and Tim has one. And at the end of the game, if that happens to be the magic carrot, Tim wins. Even though I obviously played better by collecting 10 carrots. Wow. And not only that, but the game is really long. Like, could be over two hours wow. to play. Wow. To come down to basically a card draw. Wow. So I played it one time. I got it in a math trade, played it this one time, and traded it away. Wow. So same as Flux. I, I hate them equally. Just <laughs> horrible games. Yeah, it's I, the same idea. Though, I don't understand right? why people like them. Both of those games are very similar, though, yeah. where you really have no control over what's happening. Yeah, yeah you know, if, the, if there was more control over the win conditions, because I, I, I don't mind that the dynamics of the environment's changing. You know, the number of cards you can play, the number of cards you draw, this hand limit size. I don't mind all that stuff playing. It's 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 that there's there's no way to plan for a win. It's like it's. It's like you got lucky. You just happened. But don't to be you feel it. this is where I disagree with you guys a little bit? Don't you feel like it's the same thing with Robo Rally and even Cult Express, where no, because you are ultimately you're programming your movement, but so you, you don't. Know, I'll tell you what it is. It's the illusion of control. Yeah. Cult yes. Express and Robo Rally give you an illusion of control, and Flux and Killer Bunnies, you don't feel like you have any There's control. None. Right. And my problem, what I'm saying is, I can see the illusion. Yeah. In those games, and to me, they're not that much different. Well, see, because you can program your guy in Colts but Express, and he does exactly what you de- you wanted him. No, to do. not if you get bumped somewhere else. Not, but that doesn't happen all the time. So there's a lot of times that your your whole thing works successfully. To make Colts Express in the same level, it would literally be: I don't even look at my cards. We just put them down, face <laughs> yes. down, in order, and then play it out and see who gets money. Yes. If that was how Colts Express was, it'd be on the same yeah, level. But that's as why it's an illusion of control because we do get to look at our cards and we do get to. Have you some get- semblance of physically moving our guy, but ultimately, the person who wins that game got lucky. Maybe, no, but it's not. I, as think, bad. I think I think that it's very hard to say that you can win Colt Express with some killer strategy. I think it's a luck. There's a luck quota. Colt Express is okay, but Flux. There's just wait. It's way over quota. There, <laughs> there, there is a chance that you can try to do something in Colt Express and succeed. And flux, but you have there's no nothing say, I can do. You have no say whether it's going to succeed. You you do though because it's a, if somebody else messes with you or not. Yeah, but you're seeing what other people are doing while you're playing. So if if you're in a car not and someone before you punches, you need to be aware that you may be the one that gets punched. So you can't adjust based on something like that. I don't think I've lost Colt Express a lot. I've won a few times, but every time I've lost, I've never walked away with oh. This is what I need to do next time. Well, there's no. It's because not that it's kind of a strategy random. game. It's not it's that kind random. of a strategy game. But you have control. This, you think no you control. have control. The illusion of control is the key difference. Uh, we should we should talk about that. We should have a segment on control versus illusion of control. It's interesting. This kind of goes with the randomness that we always. It talk does about. because sometimes the you, perceived randomness. <laughs> yeah, you think that it's random. Or you think that it's not random. You think that it's not random. Right. And Chris does. And somebody all of a sudden takes your spot. Okay. Moving on. Moving forward. Maybe this is a topic we'll discuss in a future episode, the illusion of control. So the last question is, if you could change one thing about the board gaming industry, 
What would it be? So we'll make we'll run through this quick. We're running long. So if there was an easier way to try a game without buying it. So like if you're buying a game on the App Store, you can. a lot of them are free. You can try it first and then buy it. With board games, there's really no way to do that unless you happen to know somebody who has it. It would be nice if there were some sort of online version of new games that come out so you could kind of play test and, you know, just a couple turns and see how, how the game works, you know, flip the digitally, cards. Digitally, Digitally, like electronic. I, that's, that's a big development thing, though, on top of making true. a game. That's this true. does actually exist. There are a few sites that have games that you can play digitally. There's, so there's two things I'd say this. The first are the, just the digital implementations online, like Board Game Arena, where we could actually get on and play a game against each other. Yeah, I'm not even saying that like a full-blown. Just a demo should give me a taste to make me want to buy it. Okay. Show me the mechanics. Like, you don't have to play a whole game of Dead of Winter online, but just show me how the card flipping works, how the turn order works. Let me see what these, these Crossroads cards are and just get a feel for it. That might make me want to buy it. Then. You know, this is kind of interesting because this is something we don't ever do at Gen Con, but you should really try doing demos at Gen Con. If you want to learn, because yeah. that's really what well, you that's really way to do. That. It's not that I'm dying for this, but I think if there's one thing to change about the industry, I don't think the industry needs changing. Hmm. But it would be a lot of games. Like I don't even know what I what games are coming out that I would like, and you know, it's, the, it's an investment to pay fifty plus dollars yeah. on some sort of you know uh, yeah. random draw if you're going to like the game it'd be nice to try it first anyway moving on i think well i think youtube might service your process too because a lot of people do record a game on youtube and you can watch them play a few rounds of a game so i think there is an outlet there yeah that probably is a good idea for most people i this is going to sound strange i it's a good time to air this because it's a negative episode i hate watching things on youtube now every time i google how to do some diy do it yourself thing or, or uh, like even like I watched the Agricola thing. It's it's like I, I just I can't explain it. Even fully medicated, watching people go through demonstrating stuff is so painful. I would rather like read about it so I can like scan it, skim it, see pictures drawn, or you know maybe like a live demo where I can tell people I got it. Let's move on. Yeah. Type thing. Okay. Anyway. All right, mine is actually uh, smarter inserts in the boxes. Yeah. I mean, how many games do you buy that you can't actually put nicely back in the box and have it organized? <laughs> yeah. If you've got a insert and it fits cards, why don't you make that insert a little bigger for all the people who probably sleeve cards Yeah. and you just can't get them back into that insert? Design the insert so that it'll fit a sleeved card instead of just the actual card size. You know, try, try to make the games packable back in the box without taking that insert and throwing it in the garbage. Not only that, I would add something to that. Why don't board game companies realize that a lot of gamers put their games sideways? This is something that drives me crazy. Yeah. So, you know, the, the one company that does well with this is Days of Wonder. Their inserts are pretty good, like the Ticket to Ride. They design them in a way uh, that when you put the board on top, nothing will spill out as long yeah. as you keep the box lid on there. But yeah, I, I agree. The, the, I pretty much throw away ninety percent of my inserts and just put like Plano boxes or something. Yeah, and that's there. that's supposed to be your organization to yeah. put the game away. It's it's not there. Yeah. Either do it what right or don't even put an insert in there. Yeah, right. Leave it loose. In there. I don't want some junky cardboard in there that, yeah. that serves just, no purpose. Just bubble wrap all the stuff, and I can throw the bubble wrap out and throw it in there in baggies. There you go. <laughs> so mine would be this is probably a, a pipe dream, but mine would be if retail stores sold games at the same prices as online. I don't, yeah. I would rather buy a game from a store 
I like if I wanted to buy a game, this would probably make it worse for me. Actually, the addiction to buying because I could just swing by the yeah. store and Esther pick would up have a game. To tie you down, yeah. And I understand why they don't have it for the same price because it's hard to run a retail store. I understand, but if I could change something about the industry, that would be it. I want my retail store to the same prices as Cool Stuff Inc. That's that's hard. I mean, like you said, they're supporting a brick and mortar, and it's, no, I understand. It's a lot harder. But if I could change something, yeah. no, I agree. That, that would be it. Why is that important? Because the experience of buying the game would it would actually be better. Like for you, if you want to buy a board game and save money, you have to buy it online. So you absolutely have gotcha. no way of even feeling the game, touching it. Right. Or anything. You're just basically picking from a picture on a website. Well, right. part of it, too, is that you're not going to go to Target and find a lot of these games because it's, it's yeah. not mass appeal. This right. is you know the board gaming thing, so yeah. you're never going to find some of these. Yeah, yeah. So that would be it. You know, The game stars are what they are, but that, that would be the thing that I would change. I think we're done. We went long. It was a negative. Yeah. It's interesting a negative episode went so yeah, long. Yeah, it went so much longer than the positive one. Yeah, that's not why. good. How are you guys feeling right now? Feel, feel good. Feel liberated. You don't like, feel yeah. down? No. No, no. I, you know, it's cathartic. Got this off our chest. and yeah. There's some healing going on. Yeah, start it's healing. only up from here. It's only Upwards up. and onwards. Up. Yeah, maybe we help some people, too, if people run into some of these issues. You know, they know they're not alone. And, right. You know. Yeah. There's always that one guy in the brig. There's always. <laughs> and just to keep the negative theme going, most of you out there aren't going to win our contest. Oh, I'm just saying. Man. But one of you, if you don't enter. How do you win? <laughs> that's true. If you don't enter, you're definitely not going to win. But one of you will win. And that's the person that sends us a question to the email address, outofgamepodcast at gmail.com, or leaves us a voicemail at 40OGOG80 for one entry. For one. And or leaves us a review on iTunes for an additional three entries, and we randomly pick you. That's the person that's going to win. So you have to do those things if you want to win. And if you're in the Chicagoland area, you must invite Ryan over to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And you can find us at atagamepodcast.com, where you can find links to a lot of things, including our guild, BGG Guild 1990. We have 50 members, maybe more when this episode airs, but I would like to see that number go up. So join our guild. Let's get some discussion going out there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. At OOG Podcast. Or Facebook slash OOG podcast or Stitcher also OOG podcast these are all the same Tim oh okay just for next time I was pointing at Tim and he was looking at me like stop talking to me I don't know what you're doing (laughs) and for more great podcasts go to dicetowernetwork.com alright that's it everyone good night good night good night seen a star supernova no no well i have i saw a star explode and send out the building blocks of the universe other stars other planets and eventually other life a supernova creation itself i was there i wanted to see it and be part of the moment And you know how I perceived one of the most glorious events in the universe? With these ridiculous gelatinous orbs in my skull. 
with eyes designed to perceive only a tiny fraction of the EM spectrum, with ears designed only to hear vibrations in the air. The five of us designed you to be as human as possible. I don't want to be human. I want to see gamma rays. I want to hear x-rays and I, I want to... I want to smell dark matter. Do you see the absurdity of what I am? I can't even express these things properly because I have to, I have to conceptualize complex ideas in this stupid, limiting spoken language. But I know I want to reach out with something other than these prehensile paws and feel the solar wind of a supernova flowing over me. I'm a machine. And I could know much more.